All right, welcome everybody to this week's episode of Three Wide in the Middle with me, Thomas Brandon, and of course, as always, with me, Keith Bradley. Keith, how's it going? What is up? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Just another week, another week of racing, and uh, unfortunately, it's that time of the year where things are starting to to come to a close as we had a bunch of bunch of series finish off the season this last weekend. So, kind of yeah, a bummer. It's, it's flown by pretty quick. Yeah, it has, man. It's been crazy how how fast it's gone by. It's shocking how fast it's gone it, by. It feels like it. Last week we did our first episode of the season. It's just crazy. I know it's nuts, man. It's nuts. So, yeah, we got got a bunch of stuff to get to. Uh, you know, World of Outlaws, late models, sprint cars wrapped up their seasons. Of course, the NASCAR side. We had all of those wrap up at Phoenix. We got a bunch of stuff to get to in hit or miss ton of stuff but before we do that i gotta cover i gotta cover our man ross chastain here in the open now me and keith have been on have been on the chastain bandwagon since the start of the season um we god man i mean it's basically been a third race of the season fourth i mean we've been talking about him since the very beginning um and if you remember, I did a big rant on Ross Chastain, and I said the narrative on him was already written. Okay, I told you guys, you can go watch the video clip on YouTube. I told you his results are going to determine how he is looked at by the fans, by the racing world. I said if he goes off and he does good, if he competes and he does good, whether or not he's running people over, right, whether or not the... Ross Chastain don't give a fuck tour continues. If he does good, if he has the results, he will be looked at as competitive, never gives up, right? Doesn't care about making friends. He's there to win, right? That's going to be the edge and the edge that he's got it, right? They're going to be looking at him like he's the, the a second Dale Earnhardt. I know that's heresy for most people, but just in terms of run you over, right? And then at the end of the race, it's, it's just racing. That's what we got to do to win. If he didn't do good, I told you he was going to be looked at. Guy's a clown, can't put it together, can't finish races, can't stay off people, right? He's, you know, for those of you, those are Days of Thunder fans, he's cold trickable without the talent, right? Like, that's the way that he was going to be looked at. And we saw that play out the rest of this season. And this last weekend at Phoenix, it culminated with exactly what I told you would happen. Now, Ross Chastain did not win the championship, but... Damn, did he give it a, a hell of a run, man. And the guy, once again, drove his ass off, like all those guys did, but he drove his ass off. He was close. No one was going to be beating Logano this weekend, I don't think. He was the class of the field the whole weekend. But he was right there. And at the end of the day, that's all you can really ask for. And now, the season's over, and going into 2023... Chastain is already being looked at along with the whole track house team as one of the cars to beat and to come from where he came from to where he is now is really incredible. And for all of the stuff that we, you know, ragged on this season when it came to the new car and NASCAR's inconsistencies and just all the bullshit that happened, one of the best things that has come out of this new car is the fact that a team like Trackhouse can literally pick up and compete at the highest level. You know, for the longest time, it was, look, man, if you're not in a Gibbs, a Child or a well, Childress a while ago, but, uh, you know, Hendrick, um, you know, Penske, if you're not in one of those top three, four teams, you're not winning a championship. You just weren't going to do it. You weren't going to compete. You might have a race here or there. You might pop off a, a restrictor plate race, right? Get lucky and catch the draft and work your way to the front. But you're not going to win a championship. You just don't have the resources. You don't have the people. You don't have the money. You just don't have the equipment to compete at the highest level. And with this new car, we've seen that really turned up on its head. Now, the racing has never been closer than it is now in terms of their lap times and their speed. And in fact, it's almost too close. Um, as you guys will hear in hit or miss coming up, you know, practice seems to be a, a downfall to the racing right now because the, the guys are so close. It's so competitive that 
it's like no one can pass. You know, I don't know if it's because the car is so good or if these guys are so, I don't know what it is, but it's like they're, they're so tight on time that nobody can get a leg up on anybody else. And Ross Chastain above, you know, the majority of the drivers, obviously there's the ones that are just a step above him, right? Like the champion Logano or Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, right? Those types of guys. But at the end of the day, he was right there. And he has capped off what is an incredible season. And, you know, we always hear in sports when a team makes it to the championship, right, or gets gets close to the championship and they don't get it, we always hear, well, they'll be back next year. We'll see him again soon. And unfortunately, there's no guarantees of that. There's just not, right? One of the greatest examples of all time is Dan Marito and the, the Miami Dolphins. Nobody in 1984 would have thought that the Dolphins with Dan Marino would never make it back to the Super Bowl again. Nobody, right? You would have had people who would have bet their lives on that and they'd have lost because they never made it back. And it happens all the time. So we can sit here and say, yeah, it was a phenomenal season and they'll be back, right? And we can sit there and say, hey, look, nothing's guaranteed. But to me, in my mind, what I see from them, they will be back. Right. Are they going to be in the final for every year? No, I mean, there's too much. There's too much that can happen to where, you know, that can get thrown off. But in terms of his talent and what he was able to do this season with that team, it was absolutely incredible. And me and Keith have talked about it all year long. And, you know, I was hoping he was going to win the championship. He didn't. But at the end of the day, to come in where he did finish, where he did was incredible. So hats off to Ross Chastain. Uh, Dude is a flat out racer. And I got to say, um, for a lot of the negative stuff that we've seen this year, just overall in NASCAR in general, he was one of the things that you could count on to pretty much always be exciting. And that was something to look forward to every Sunday. And I'm, I'm just stoked that, that he had the year that he had along with track house. So yeah, man, it was awesome. He final thoughts on Ross Chastain's 2022 campaign. Uh, Honestly, it was like a roller coaster ride at times. You know what I mean? He had he had some ups, had some downs, had some in betweens. But with with all the controversy that he created around himself mm-hmm. and Denny, I think it was a home run that he finished second in the championship. Yep. Denny never really took a clear shot at him, which hey, respect on Denny. Yeah. Respect on both of them. Um, I don't think anybody would have guessed this months ago that that Ross would finish second in the championship or even make the final four. No. Um, one thing I can say is that that one team was really fast all year. Yes, and they if were. He wasn't, if he wasn't contending for the win, he was running in the top five and top 10, making the races very exciting. He reminded me a lot of Thomas Meserol on the NASCAR side. Either you mm-hmm. love the guy or you hate the guy. Yep. Yeah, he he had a, you know, overall, it was just a really good season. You know, when you look at the year that he had, you know, he was tied with a bunch of people um, for, you know, sixth overall in wins. You know, there was a bunch of him, Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick all had two wins. You know, the only drivers ahead of him were Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell. Right. So you're talking about you know five of the best drivers in NASCAR. Um, when you look at his, the number of green flag passes he made his quality passes, right. Um, you know, just his pass differential, you know, those types of what you would call like next level stats for NASCAR. Um, he's towards the top in all of those. Like he, he just, you know, he really had a, a good, strong season. And like Keith said, it was a roller coaster, but in the end, um, he came out finishing way better than anybody, even myself. I, I, as much as I liked him and enjoyed him from the beginning of the season and thought that we saw something there. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, you know, do I think Ross Chastain is going to make the final four and compete for the championship? I'd have told you no, right? If I had to bet on it, I'd have said no. Um, and, you know, halfway through the season, I thought maybe it was, you know, long shot possibility, and, you know, towards the end of the year, it's like, man, I'm I'm hoping the guy's going to win. I think he is the guy who can do it. And he came close. So, you know, good season, man. And uh, it was an it was it was fun. And I'm already looking forward to seeing what he's going to do in 2023. 
Oh, me too. I'm I'm excited. I think he's going to rebound well through next season. Uh, I know people like to call Super Bowl hangover, right? In, mm-hmm. in football, it's very hard to get back. Well, it's really hard in NASCAR getting back to the champ four. I mean, we've seen Ryan Newman make it in 2014 for the first time and never went back. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Ross, it, it, something's different about the one his team, him, I, I think he's going to be a mainstay for years to come in the in the final four. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, to me, there's a lot to be said for being the considered the underdog, right? And I think those guys really carry that chip on their shoulder, where they know they're fast, they know they can't compete, but at the end of the day, they're still seen as the underdog. And there, there's something to that, man. There really is. No one expected them to really be there. No one expected them to compete, even though we saw it all year long. And I still think, you know, until they win a championship, people are not going to put them in that category with the top teams, as they shouldn't. I mean, let's be honest. They're not a Hendrick. They're not a Gibbs, right? They're, they're not a Penske. Um, but damn it, man, if they're not knocking on that door trying to break into the party. So... Yeah, it's gonna be fun next year, man. I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully, yeah, they can they can keep the keep it rolling. Obviously, we'll have to see if there's any types of changes. You know, a lot of big stuff, big potential um, changes with the car. I don't think there's gonna be as many as as they're saying, but we'll talk about that stuff later on. We got a whole off season to worry about that, but yeah, hats off to the one team and and the whole track house racing team. It was a awesome awesome year for them, but. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to be diving into hit or miss, and we've got a ton of topics to cover. Definitely the most topics that we've uh, ever had for this portion of the show. So stick around. We'll be right back. All right. So it is now time for, we say it every week, me and Keith's favorite portion of the show, which is hit or miss, where I make a statement. And then we determine whether it hits the mark or misses the mark. Now, a lot of these, I've actually had some people ask me this. Um, do I get these from places? Are these quotes that I hear? Do I make them up myself? It's kind of a combination of everything. So I might hear a quote and then I'll turn it into my own statement, right? Like so, or I might uh, see something and I'll just create something off that. So it's kind of everything. Um, usually if there is a quote or something like that, where I'm quoting an actual driver or quoting a reporter, I will tell you that, Hey, you know, so-and-so quote said, I will say that. So that way you guys don't just think it's, you know, I'm just taking stuff that reporters have said and, you know, sharing it along or, or something like that. But anyways, never mind. Moving on. Keith, are you ready? Let's do it. All uh, right. Part of the show. All right, so unfortunately, the cup race at Phoenix was once again fairly crappy, to say the least, proving the point that it's not just the package, but Phoenix itself that sucks. Hit or miss the mark? Uh, I think it misses the mark. I don't think Phoenix itself sucks. Um, I don't think the championship race should be in Phoenix. I agree 100% on that. I truly think that if it ain't at Homestead, because I think Homestead put on a really good race this season. If if it's not there, why, why can't we do like an NFL type? Go to different markets. And not small markets, not saying Arizona there in Phoenix is a smaller market, but it kind of is out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the package this time around wasn't as good as last time, because I think the... The spring race at Phoenix was a little better. I think it was was a little more exciting. And I'm not trying to be biased because Chase Briscoe won or anything to that nature. I just really don't think think it's that. that. I I think it's a lot to do with the the shorter track package. I'm with you. I think it's the package. Um, I do think Phoenix still has some value, you know, although the cup race wasn't great. You know, the Xfinity race was pretty good. Um, the truck race, I mean, the truck race is the truck race as always, but you know, pretty good this year there. Um, but for the cup cars, I, I don't, I don't think the track is really the problem. We've had some good races there. Now I've, I've said this numerous times. I've never been a big fan of the whole open dog leg thing. I hate that crap. I think it sucks. 
I hate the fact that you got those guys just dropping down all the way across the it's it's like just make that the track then. What are we doing? Like what why is that? I I don't get it. I never have, but that's just me. Uh anyways, so the track itself I don't think is horrible. We know the short track package sucks. They've got to do something with that. I'm with you. I think the spring race was better. One of the reasons I think the spring race was better is because one, it was still early on in the year with this car. A lot of the teams hadn't quite figured it out yet. So everybody wasn't on pace with one another, but two, the track definitely, you know, Phoenix springtime is going to be much warmer than Phoenix fall. And the track temps a little bit warmer, you know, track could be a little bit slicker. I mean, obviously we're really kind of splitting hairs with it, but yeah, the cup race just wasn't very exciting. And I think it has more to do with the package um, than the the track itself. You know, I've seen some some really good races at Phoenix. Now, it was the older version of Phoenix, but which is kind of the same as now. All they've done is, you know, in, increase the dog leg and, and move the start finish line, you know, stuff like that. But, um, you know, I went and watched the Copper World Classic there years ago. It's one of the coolest races I've ever seen um at you know at any track let alone phoenix so yeah it's i th I think the track still has value the facility is really nice I mean, the place was packed you know there was like sixty thousand people there sixty five thousand people there which is good um it's just the cup race yeah they they've got to do something with that package and uh i don't know i don't know what it is but they gotta they gotta figure out something i i think that my biggest concern about about phoenix and it ain't even about the racetrack did you hear how much brett griffin paid for a cheeseburger and french fries yeah i heard that the prices were insane yeah that is crazy yeah yep and an that's average nascar fan can't afford that no of course not man the the average sports fan of anything can't afford that no you know what i mean like that's just insane so yeah i'm with you that type of stuff is ridiculous unfortunately i think that's only going to get worse I do think, oh, and we'll talk about this in the off season when, you know, we start looking at the money split in the RTA and stuff like that. If the tracks get less of the pie, I think you're going to start seeing massive increases in concessions and tickets and their excuse is going to, they're going to use that as an excuse, unfortunately, and, which and to this, me is ridiculous. And this right here is the number one reason why I love dirt racing. Yeah, I'll always enjoy dirt racing. Like, I had an argument with a couple people in a group chat about prices and whatnot for NASCAR races, and I I kind of said, hey, it's it's a little ridiculous that you can take your family to Eldora mm -hmm. and not even count about the tickets. Yeah, take the ticket prices out because it, it varies race by race. But you can take your family to Eldora and eat concession food for damn near cheaper than mcdonald's and yep. it's 10 times better yep well not only that but i could take i could literally take my whole family you know a couple states over to a world of outlaw sprint car race spend the weekend there for what it would cost me just to buy the tickets for a cup race you know what i mean like seriously so you know I, it's 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 insane. Yeah. When I heard, when I heard that, when I heard that he had spent that much money on a freaking cheat, I was, I was shocked, man. That's crazy. I mean, dude, we just went yesterday to in and out burger and bought food for four people. And it was like 24 bucks. And I live in California, right? Like it. So to spend that much on a cheeseburger, that's nuts. That's nuts. I don't know how you justify that Phoenix raceway. That's no. ridiculous. No. All right. Moving on, speaking of the package, Trackhouse team owner said he wants to see them run the next-gen cars at Charlotte in a test with 850 horsepower just to see what would happen. I think he is incorrect and that they need to do that at the short tracks like Bristol and Martinsville. Hit or miss the mark. I think it misses the mark, and I and I agree. I think they need to do that at a short track. I think the mile yeah. and a half package is good. Season was probably the best mm -hmm. that we have seen in a very long time. Um, I don't I don't agree with that at all. I think we should do that at at a Martinsville or a Bristol, 
even Richmond, because when you're not spinning the tires at a short track, that is that is a problem. And I really, really hope deep down inside that they, they fix it. Don't know if they're going to or not. I don't think anybody really knows, but I would rather see them do that at a short track. I'm with you 100%. Keep in mind, for those of you who have watched NASCAR for any length of time, right, just the last couple of years, what has been the number one problem? It's the main reason that they have done the vast majority of packages and rule changes that they've done. It's been the intermediate tracks. The intermediate tracks have sucked for years. For years. It was, you know, early 2000s was probably the last car, right, that we had that did good racing on the intermediate tracks where you saw good racing, good passing. And keep in mind, it, it still wasn't even every track. But a lot of those, you know, back then, early 2000s, you're talking about, you know, you had Atlanta, Texas wasn't all jacked up like it is now, right? But you had Homestead that, you know, you had all these mile and a half tracks that a lot of them were older, right? We were, you know, Darlington, even the ones like Pocono, Michigan, right? Where the tracks are still worn out. The cars are aero dependent, but it was not nearly as bad as we had gotten with the Gen 6 car, this recent car that we had last year. And they had high horsepower. The racing was good, right? After they moved away with that, once we got into the car of tomorrow, the mile and a half racing, the intermediate racing has sucked. It's been horrible. And they've finally got it to where it's good. Like, like you said, Keith, it was the best racing we had all season was the mile and a half, the intermediates, right? We always say mile and a half, but the intermediates, basically everything, you know, above one mile and below the plate tracks. That was the best racing we had all season. And that's the majority of the schedule. So don't mess with that. You want to take those things out, throw an 800 horsepower in them at Bristol and test it out. I'm all for that. Go for it, man. All day long, but don't mess with the intermediate stuff. We finally got it to where it doesn't suck. So yeah, I'm with you, man. Don't touch it. Leave that alone. Go do the short tracks because if you can figure out the short tracks, you're going to figure out the road courses because they run the same damn package. You know, get that lined out. If we can do that, I mean, dude, the mile and a half, the intermediate stuff was so good this year. It's the best I've seen it in years, in years. I mean, I'm talking 15 years. I mean, the intermediate stuff is why we have stages. You know what I mean? Like that's why they started doing stage racing because it was so bad. It was like, okay, who's got the clean air? Bye-bye. See you later. Right? Like they would just check out and then they would have to bunch them back up to try to have a race. Like that, that's the whole reason we have stages. That was why they started the high downforce, low horsepower package. They were trying to turn every track into Daytona and Talladega because the racing sucked so bad. So yeah, I'm with you, Keith. Don't mess with that. That ain't broke. So don't try to fix it. Go work on the stuff that is broke. Moving on. NASCAR Cup Series races are far better when they have little to no practice. Hit or miss the mark. I think it hits the mark. I agree and, 100% with you on that. And, and the reason so for the listeners, when they do a, a bunch of testing at say homestead and then you follow it up and you do a bunch of practice all it does is gets the teams closer mm -hmm. it's going to make the racing tighter and not as far as side-by-side -side action goes it's going to make it very limited on what they can do because mm -hmm. all the cars will be damn near the same yep so yeah i i, I liked it when they what was it two years ago they didn't do any practice yeah COVID. Right. yep um, yeah, we saw this week at Phoenix, you know, they ran more practice than they, than they typically do. Uh, the racing was, like you said, it, it makes it gets them in a box, you know, back in the day, right. You know, basically from just a few years ago, you know, and, and before then I, I loved practice. I loved watching practice sessions. To me, I loved watching happy hour. I looked forward to happy hour, especially early 2000s, late 90s. Like I looked forward to it because back then 
you didn't have what you have now with all the sim, right? These guys don't, you know, the manufacturers didn't have these multi-million dollar sims that they could put these drivers in, right? And go out and, and literally tune the cars before they ever even get to the track. Like you put your package on that you ran there last time, right? And it was in a notebook, right? You know what I mean? It's in a binder that the crew chief carries around with them. You throw that in the car and then you go there and then you worked on the car to get it to match the current track states and temperatures, right? Like that's what they did. They had to have those practices. Otherwise, you were going to be off, man, like way off. And back then, if you were off, you were seven laps down. Remember those days when they used to lap like half the field? Like that don't happen no more, right? So that you had to have those practices to do that. And I loved watching it because I thought that was really cool. Like I, me as, you know, being someone who was a mechanic and stuff like that, I loved that aspect of it. That's not the case anymore. These things are essentially, you know, rockets, right that are that are worked on by rocket engineers i mean these guys the the amount of data and simulation stuff that they do with them these cars are pretty freaking good when they roll them off the truck like they really are and the more practice they have the more dialed in they get all it does is like keith says it just makes them tighter and tighter and tighter but not in a way that we would hope Right. Like we would think like, oh, man, everybody's close. That's going to be more exciting racing. It it doesn't, though. It makes it to where nobody can pass. Everybody's so good. Right. That if you're in front of somebody, you know, we talk about all the time. It's that cliche saying catching them is one thing. Passing them is another. And that's the case. They just you can't pass, man. Everybody's so good. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. I think they should, you know, really limit the practice. You know, I know that's one of the things they talked about with these cars was trying to make the qualifying and the race setup, you know, pretty much the same thing. Um, get them there, unload them, you know, run, run a 10 minute, 15 minute practice session, qualify them, race them the next day. I mean, that like do it because to me, when they do that type of stuff, I think that's the better, I think that's better racing. Uh, it does. It doesn't allow the guys to, to get the car so dialed in. And it makes your race day strategy that much more important because now if your car is off, how are you going to fix it? You know, the pit stops and adjustments are, were a big thing in NASCAR. You know, that was a really big deal. And, uh, you know, nowadays you can pretty much do, you know, wedge and like air pressure in terms of your pit stop adjustments. You know, back in the day, they're doing track bars and spring rubbers and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, it adds another layer to that that strategy aspect on. So yeah, I'm with you, Keith, man. They should, they should go back to doing what they were doing during COVID. All right. Next one. The incident between Chase Elliott and Ross Chastain at Phoenix was 100% Ross Chastain's fault. Hit or miss the mark. I think it misses the mark. I think that was, I did this one just for you, by the way. Because I know you're such a Chase Elliott fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it was more of a racing deal. Like, I, I don't blame either one of them. Um, I mean, Chase had to do what Chase needed to do. Ross had to do what Ross needed to do. I don't think yeah. Ross intended on it happening that way. No. Uh-uh. It did. Um, and then, unfortunate. The unfortunate part is, is Ross has wrecked quite a few people this year. Mm-hmm. Already has a bad rap for it. So it didn't look good already, but I, I truly don't think he did it on purpose. I'm with you. Um, I mean, we're in the late stages of the race there, and, and Ross had to make up a bunch of positions to even get close to Joey. Um, I think he was trying to get everything he could to get through the dog leg there, and the nine was there you know they throwing were uh, throwing a later block yeah you know and i don't know and i don't even know if he was blocking as opposed to you know they both kind of had a run there they both had good restarts everybody ducks down across that dog leg right you got one going lower the other one who's also trying to go lower um and it was really close i think it was just two guys who were fighting for the same real estate right they both had a run they're both trying to take advantage of it like we just talked about for 5 minutes passing is so hard when you've got that momentum when that door is opened even if it's just barely opened you've got to try to get through it and that's what happened and unfortunately you know they they touch and chase 
Elliot gets the 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 worst part of it. You know what I mean? So I'm with you. I don't think it was 100% Chase's fault. I don't think it's anybody's fault. I think it's one of those things that happens in racing, especially when you're racing for a championship. So yeah, I'm with you, man. I think it misses the mark. All right, moving on. After coming up short once again for the championship at the World Finals, David Gravel has proved that he will never win an Outlaw Sprint Car Championship. Keith, hit or miss the mark? I think I think it misses the mark. Um, I think David Gravel will be a champion in the, in the World of Outlaw Sprint Car Series. I really do. Um, he's came up close a couple times, and and sometimes you got to finish second to win one. And like we talked about last week, Brad Sweet had to be on top of his game, and he's been in this situation before as far as winning championships, and they know what they need to do every weekend. And and like like I said last week, if Brad Sweet finished second, David Gravel needs to finish third. And they've just seen it slip away. Um, I really think they'll take this into the offseason. They'll build on it. They'll fix what they need to get better at, and then we'll see uh, an even better David Gravel come next season. Yeah, I I want to say it misses the mark. It's tough to say, man. I, you know, I I got to see it from him. You know, the one thing that I've seen from him or I tend to see from him that concerns me when it comes to winning a championship is you know, just closing out the night, you know, with those, with those finishes, you know, that's one of the things that's been the hallmark of Brad Sweet. And, and look, this was a down year for him and he still had five wins, right? Gravel had seven, Sweet had five. Um, Sweet had 41 top five is more than any other driver, including Gravel. So, I mean, he still had a phenomenal year, you know, it just was down in comparison to what he had done last year where he had 16 wins and, you know, the year before where he had eight, but Gravel's been there in the top two or three for the last couple of years. He's he's been right there. Um, you know, he just can't seem to get over the hump. Uh, I'm with you, man. It, it, no matter what the sport is, there always seems to be that one team or opponent that you have to kind of get past to to break through, right? You know, you look at the NBA back in the, you know, Back in the you know 90s, it was the Chicago Bulls. They had to get through the Detroit Pistons, right? The Detroit Pistons had to get through the Boston Celtics before they could get over that hump. Um, I think that's what Brad Sweet is to David Gravel. Like he's just gotta beat him. You know, that's what Donnie Shots was for Brad Sweet, right? Like he just had to get over that hump. Um, I think he can do it. You know, he's still one of the best qualifiers, if not the best qualifier out there. Um, he seems to do well, you know, at the the, the qualifying, the heat race, the dash, you know, that type of thing. Um, he just, he's got to, he's got to raise his floor. I think that's going to be the biggest thing for him. I think it's the same for, for him, Macedo and Hoddenshield, right? If those three guys want to win a championship, they just got to raise that floor up a little bit. Uh, Hoddenshield and Macedo need to raise it more than gravel does. But you know, when you have those bad nights, they can't be catastrophic. And that's what those guys have every now and then where Sweet doesn't. So I think it misses the mark. I do think he'll win a championship, but um, man, he's, you know, another, if he has another, another year like this or even two, uh, man, he might, that's going to be a hard thing to overcome when you keep coming up short, man, when you are the, when you, when you keep being the bridesmaid, not the bride, it's a tough thing to overcome. So I think it misses the mark. We'll have to see what he does next year. All right. Next up, we've got the World of Outlaws late model season. After a dominating season in the World of Outlaws late model season, Dennis Erb Jr. and his crew chief, who is now the two-time crew chief of the year award winner, Heather Lynn, which is awesome. They are the odds-on favorite to repeat as champions next year. Hit or miss the mark. I think it hits the mark. I mean, that that the late model championships usually decided fairly early. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, that's just the the unfortunate part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I 
I think they're the team to beat. I think they will continue to be the team to beat. Um, Tanner English and them guys and and Josh Richards say they'll have to be on top of their game next season if they want to battle for the championship and even make a good run at it. Yeah, so we'll see. I'm with you. I think they are definitely the team to beat. Um, you know, one of the things that makes uh, that makes it tougher for him to have uh, more of a challenge is, you know, some of the what you would consider to be like the top guys for that that series. Um, you know, they didn't run for the cha- you know Brandon Shepard. You know, four straight championships. He didn't even run the full series this this year. He only ran like twenty races. You know. Um, Jonathan Davenport, you know, that guy, he's, he doesn't run the full outlaw series, you know, like he just runs like, you know, he runs Lucas oil and and he, he basically goes where the money is, which is a lot of the late model guys do. You know, there's only a handful of them that run, you know, even more than half the races. And right now out of that group, you know, herb is, you know, he's, he's the class of the field. You know, he had an incredible season this year and, um, yeah, you know, he's he without a doubt they are in my opinion the odds on favorite. Although Tanner English did look really good, man. I was really impressed with him this year. So I do think he'll challenge for it, but as of right now I got to I got to say Herb to me is the odds on favorite to win it again next year. Yeah, until somebody steps up and proves that they can beat him every other week or every every single weekend. Yeah. And I think we'll have a new champion on that. Yep. Usually it's decided fairly early. Yes it is. All right, next up. Although it came down to the wire after winning his fourth straight championship, Brad Sweet will repeat and win his fifth straight next year. Hit or miss the mark. And I think it, I know we were just talking about David Gravel, but I think it hits the mark. How how can you argue with that? How can you argue with Brad Sweet being five-time champion you can um till like we were just saying about the late model guys till somebody can prove and step up and beat him consistently and keep the points even tighter i don't see it happening mm-hmm. i see brad sweet being a five-time champion next season i just i really do um the guys that were close we've seen how much they fell off i mean look at sheldon Yep. He was he was he was right there and just a couple bad races and, and you're on the outside looking in and uh think everybody needs to go home, do their homework, figure out where where they struggled at and fix it. And until they can figure out what they were struggling at, I, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Sweet is the man to beat until he gets beat. That's the way that I'm gonna look at it. Um you guys all know how big of a Brad Sweet fan I am. To me, he's the class of the outlaws right now. Um, yes, you can make the argument on any given night, right? Another driver might win the race, but if I had to pick a driver for the season championship, you know, and you know, bet on it, bet my life on it, it would be Brad Sweet right now. He's hands down the most consistent, and I think we are witnessing. Um, I mean, to he's already. He could retire tomorrow and he would go down in history as one of the greatest outlaw sprint car drivers of all time, right? He, him, Donnie Schatz, and Steve Kinzer are the only drivers to ever win four in a row, right? I, think about that. I mean, with his fourth championship, he passed Swindell on the on the all-time championships list. And you're right, like Sammy Swindell is considered one of the goats when it comes to Sprint car racing. You know what I mean? Like that's the class that he is already in. And he's still really young, right? It's not like he's 50. He's in his early 30s. He's got a lot of racing left to go. And I think, you know, it's not just a matter of will he win five in a row. I to me, I I think we could see him win six, seven in a row. I mean, to me, it's I'm I think Brad Sweet has the chance to pass Shots on the all-time champions list. Shots has got 10. I think Sweet can do that. I really do. Now, obviously, someone could come up through the ranks and dethrone him, but the way it's going right now, dude, they're on a roll, and if they keep doing what they're doing, I'm with you, Keith. I got to see somebody do it before I'm going to believe it. Yeah, I mean, until somebody can step up and be 
even more consistent than than Brad Sweet, then I'll believe it. Because yep. consistency won him this championship. Yes. He he didn't go out and win 14 races. He won five races mm-hmm. and turned around and had 41 top fives. Yep. The next closest was David Gravel with 39. Yep. Um, consistency is huge, especially when they're racing as much as they are. Yeah. You need as many top fives as you could possibly get. Oh, and yeah. Somebody can step up and be like, all right, Brad, it's my season. Then then we'll talk about it. Till yep. then, I don't think we're going to be talking about it. No, nope, I'm with you. Yeah, when you're talking about a, what is it, 70 race schedule or whatever it is, I mean, consistency is what it is. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. He's the man to beat and will be for the foreseeable future. All right, moving on to the Xfinity Series side of things. Ty Gibbs redeemed himself after his amazing championship winning race at Phoenix. Hit or miss the mark? I think it hits the mark. Um, He raced Noah really clean. Actually, he raced everybody in that race fairly clean. And and I was very impressed. Ty, I mean, we were talking about Ross Chastain. You want to talk about... Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty Gibbs, a, a roller coaster. Yeah, this season. I mean, he'd he'd show a little bit of maturity, and then he'd show a lot of immaturity, and then he'd show a little bit, and it was up and down. Um, man, my thoughts and prayers are out with Ty Gibbs. That that yeah. week was a truly the definition of highest of highs and lowest of lows, and and to win a championship and celebrate with your dad, and then wake up in the morning and your dad's gone. That's just that's tough to do. Um, yeah. And I think, I think Ty will grow from it. I think we will see a new Ty next season. Um, and, and congratulations to him. He deserved it. I mean, him or Noah Gregson, any of them guys in the top four deserve. It. They did. You know, I, I wanted Noah to win just because I'm a Noah fan. Um, but I gotta be honest, you know, after, you know, watching that race and seeing, um, how I did, I, you, you know, he did a phenomenal job, man. You know, he earned that championship. Um, and look, you know, at the end of the day, right? Like, I mean, last week, you know, we're making, you know, I'm making fun of him and we're talking about him being clueless and not getting it. And, and you know, he's 20. He's 20 years old, right? Think about where you were at when you were 20 years old. I can tell you right now, I wasn't in an Xfinity Series car winning championships going to the cup. All right. When I was 20, I, I mean, I was a drug addict at 20. All right. Like legit. So I mean, (laughs) I, yes, dude stepped in it and we can talk about, well, he's in the spotlight. He's got to be mature. He's still 20. And for him to rebound the way that he did and show the maturity that he did show this last weekend at Phoenix to carry himself the way that he did to race the way that he did come away with the championship showed a lot. It really did. And yeah, I'm with you, man. You know, thoughts and prayers go out. That is literally one of the craziest things um, ever. The fact that, you know, his dad passes away that night. I mean, he will forever. That that championship will forever be linked to the death of his dad. That track will forever be linked to the death of his dad. You know, it's like. Earnhardt Jr., you know what I mean? Like Daytona will forever be linked with him and the death of his dad. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's it's a little bit different because it's a championship, different place, but you know, didn't die in a, a racing accident. But still, you when you have that type of connection to it, um, that's tough, man. That's really tough. So yeah, and it's uh it's 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 hard to see. And like you was just mentioning, next season when Ty goes to Phoenix, the last thing you want to think about is man. Last time I was here, my dad passed away. Yeah, exactly. You, you want to go in here and think of, damn, the last time I was here, I won that championship, had a mm-hmm. really good moment, rose to an occasion, and it just sucks. Like, yeah, I was truly heartbroken, not just for Ty, but for, for Coach Gibbs. That's the second son that he's lost. I know. And, and it just, it stings a little bit. Um, I know we were all real, we, we everybody outspoke against Ty about, about yeah. the immaturity, but comes with growing yes it does it does and i do think we uh i'm sure he i mean he's had to grow up just a lot in the last week and i'm i'm i think he'll mature more in this off season going into next year and you know being with those guys on the cup side of things next year i think you'll see him grow quite a bit and and i wouldn't be surprised if dale jr pulls him off to his side and, and talks to him 
that would be a good person to talk to. You know, if I was in his position, that would be someone that I would want to seek out. Or even an Eric Jones, because yeah. the same thing happened with Eric Jones. Yep. So, so yeah. Awesome job on the championship. I mean, the the, the week, weekend as a whole, it's got to be tough, man. That That's just horrible. So, all right. Next one. Oh, we got two more. So, next one. So, after finishing second in the Xfinity Championship, Noah Gregson will win next year's Cup Series Rookie of the Year. Hit or miss the mark? I think that hits the mark. And and I think Noah's going to be surprisingly good in the Cup Series. Um, I think it also helps that Jimmy Johnson is, is a part owner in in Petty GMS. And, and I see that team actually being fairly good next season. I mean, we've seen what it was with Eric Jones mm-hmm. talking about another roller coaster of a season. Yep. Um, but I, I, I think that hits the mark. I, I, I truly think Noah will have a breakout season next season. I'm not saying he's going to go out and win a ton of races. Um, but I, I think we will see him run in the top five in the top 10 week in and week out. Yeah, I think it, I want to say it hits the mark because I'm a huge Noah fan. I really am. I think it misses the mark. The only reason I think it misses the mark is because I do think Ty Gibbs will have a little bit of an edge when it comes to the team, the car, that type of thing. Um, Now, I could be wrong. Obviously, like you just said, Jimmy Johnson coming over there. I mean, that is a huge wild card that you really can't account for yet. You know what I mean? Like uh, Jimmy, the fact that he's coming on as an owner and he's going to be driving part-time, he's going to run Daytona, which is nuts. I mean, it's awesome, but nuts. Um, You know, I don't know how he'll be able to help that team or if he will, right? Like these cars are very different than what he's used to. So I'm really interested to see how that's going to play out. Now on the driving side of things, like if you had to pick somebody to mentor a Noah Gregson, I think you really can't do better than a Jimmy Johnson. I think that's incredible. So I think we'll see Noah take, you know, huge steps next season, just in this season. Um, I just think that Ty Gibbs, because he's coming to something that's already familiar to him, these teams are definitely more, his team is definitely more established, right? The guys he's running with, I just think he has a little bit more of an edge going into next year. I think he'll be the one to win rookie of the year. And look, I I hope I'm wrong because I want Noah to win it. I hope I'm wrong. I think what what will help Noah next season is Luke Lambert's going to be his crew chief. Luke Lambert was also his crew chief in the Xfinity series. Yes, that's they, big. They that's big. That connection that is huge. That is, and big. it also it also helps that Noah ran races with the college guys. Not only the college guys, but the beard oil guys, and yep. ran well. Yep. At times in those cars, um, I think it's going to be an interesting battle. But I think Noah will will rise to the occasion. I don't yeah. think he'll let Ty Gibbs beat him twice. I think it's going to be good, man. You know what it reminds me of? Uh, Gibbs and and Gregson coming to the Cup Series right now. It reminds me of Dale Jr. and Matt Kenseth. Like that, that, like those two guys coming up together. I remember when Kenseth and Jr. came to the Cup Series together. And I remember thinking like, God, man, when was the last time two guys came up of this caliber, right? Like that, that were that good. And I, I, I have the same kind of feeling with, with Ty and Noah, like these two guys are coming up where it's like, these guys, I truly believe in a couple of years are going to be contending for championships. So I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be fun either way. Cause I do think both of them, um, have, have got the goods when it comes to driving skills, man. They've definitely shown it on the track. All right. Our last one, we're going to wrap it up with our NASCAR Cup Series champion. So championship winner Joey Logano was hands down the best car all weekend at Phoenix. Hit or miss the mark? Hey, that hits the mark. Um, nobody could really touch Joey at Phoenix. And and I applaud Joey. He he uh, stepped up in a big time, big time moment. And he dominated that race Sunday. I mean, there was nobody that could really compete with him other than Ryan Blaney. Yep. And and I really think Ryan Blaney kind of 
let go of the reins a little bit and was like, all right, I'll content, contend for second. This is where I'm going to stay. Yep. And, and I think Joey was truly faster. Um, I mean, we've seen when Joey was not leading, he was flying through the field to get yeah. back to the lead. And he did. And, and the other three guys needed to step up big. Um, it actually, it reminded me of the 2014 season. I mean, we've seen Kevin Harvick at Homestead, fastest car of the weekend, dominated the race, and that's what you need to do in the top, in the final four. You, you've got to go and you've got to dominate that final race. Yeah. Now I'm with you. It hits the mark. Um, he was by far the best car all weekend. I, you could tell pretty early on in the race that you know unless something happened, it was it was Logano's to lose. Um, he was just the class of the field all weekend. Yeah, I'm with you. So, um, but I was wrong. Uh, we actually had one more, and I just over I, I we missed one. So <laughs> didn't scroll down on the page. So la- this is the last one, um, which piggybacks off of what we just covered. Although he was the most dominant car and driver for the championship at Phoenix. Joey Logano was not the best car and driver for the entirety of the season hit or miss the mark. I thought hits the mark. Yeah. I mean, he was not, um, in, yeah. in that, that is throughout the Ford camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen it with the 22. Well, we'll just do this with, with the Penske team, with RFK, with Stuart Haas, the turning point of the season was when they fixed the nose from the fires. Something changed with those Ford cars, and they found speed, and they found a lot of speed. We've seen Kevin Harvick win back-to-back races. We've seen uh, Chris Buescher win his first race, and then then we really seen the Ford cars start stepping up at these tracks that they struggled out early in the season. So, yeah, I think that definitely hits the mark. Joey Logano was not the fastest car all season. No, he wasn't. Um you know, when you look at, you know, it's funny though, when you look at the, the, the year that he had, um, he did have a very good year. It was actually an incredible year. Um, you know, you can make the argument that Chase Elliott probably had the best overall season, right? If you look at his average finish, um, he obviously had the most wins. Um, you know, if we were doing, you know, just, year-long points I, I don't know what the points would be i don't know if chase would be the champion i don't know but you know he would definitely be up there um but so would logano uh logano had four wins you know in terms of average starts he started in the top 10 on average in terms of average finish he almost averaged a top 10 finish i think he was like 11 11 or 12 um in terms of his average finish um which was or no excuse me 13 so chase elliott had the best average fish finish on the season at 12.6 Joey Logano was 13.6 so Logano did have a good year um wasn't the best all year long was you know what I mean that we talked about that consistency factor um if we were doing the old point system that was for the full season you know what I mean I don't think he would have won the championship but he was definitely one of the best four all year long and put himself into the position to win the championship. And he did, he closed it out in a big, big way at Phoenix. So yeah, hats off to him and congrats on the championship year that they had. So that's going to do it for hit or miss. And before we close out the show, we are going to wrap things up with our goat of the week, but we've got a little bit of a twist on it since we are at the end of the season. Um, for the most part, we still got USAC stuff going on. Um, I was gonna, we were gonna talk about some the USAC news with the the dirt midgets, um, but I think we're gonna save that for next week because um, that's pretty much all that's left racing. I mean, pretty much everybody else is done, so we'll save the midget stuff for next week. Um, we'll cover that as they get ready to do their their Western Swing to wrap up their season, but. We're going to do our goat of the season. So we pick our greatest of all time, but for the season, uh, typically we do this for on a week by week basis, but we're going to do it for the season. So Keith, who is your goat of the season? Um, I, I'm going to, I'm not going to pick a single person. All right. I'm going to pick a team the season. I got to give it to track house. Um, Nobody's seen them having a breakout the way that they did. Um, and not just with Ross, it was with Daniel Suarez at times. Um, 
I think that team grew into a franchise. Uh, I think Justin Marks and Pitbull has started a franchise, and I think this will be a continuation for seasons to come. Um, and, and who would have thought that Ross Chastain would be in the championship four talks? Hell, two years ago, three years ago, he signed a deal with Ganassi, and DC Solar had a bunch of things go wrong, and, and he lost that ride. And now he was back on the outside looking in, and I am excited for Trackhouse Racing next season. I'm, I'm, I'm a new fan. We've been talking about him all season. Yeah, so I, I, like I love it. Yeah. it. That's an awesome one, man. I love it. Um, I was, I've been thinking long and hard about this one, man. And there's so many that I could go with, you know, obviously there's so many guys who had great years, you know, we, I mean, we talked about Brad sweet, you know, his year that he had, even though it was a, ch- a close championship, they had to overcome a bunch. Um, you know, obviously track house, Ross Chastain, even Suarez. I mean, the year that he had after everything that he's gone through was incredible. You know, uh, there's even Logano. I mean, there's a bunch of that you could pick. Um, but I wanted to go a little bit of a different route because to me, there's very few people who could have done what he did this year and still be the voice that he was and, you know, the kind of the senior leader in the garage and that type of, in that type of thing. Um, so, my goat of the season is going to be Kevin Harvick. And the reason why is they start off the year rough. It was going bad. Everybody is literally throwing dirt on his grave, right? Talking about how he needs to retire. It's over. He's done. They come back. They get the wins. But more importantly, in terms of the safety issues, the issues with the car, like all of that stuff that has been going on all year long. He was really at the the front of it, right? He was the one that was the most vocal and not just like bitch and complain vocal, but the one who, you know, was really the voice of reason for a lot of stuff. Yes, he was complaining about things because there was things to complain about, but you know, the season that he had, the way that it started off so bad and then for it to end with him making the playoffs yes he didn't get far but they still made the playoffs when no one even thought he was going to get a win let alone two in a row and like i said also still really lead the charge on a lot of the stuff with this car i thought i thought it was pretty amazing um he was able to do all that while you know being competitive the second half of the year and you know it would be um it, it would be interesting to see if you could go to like an alternate universe to see what this NASCAR season would have looked like without Kevin Harvick, because you, you cannot, you cannot, um, overlook what he did in terms of his, you know, vocalness of the issues and the problems with the safety and all that stuff like that. So that's what I'm giving it to giving it to the old Wiley vet because yeah, I think there's very few people who could have done what he did this year and uh, pulled it off the way that he pulled it off. I like, I like that pick. And, you know, we talked all, all podcast season about Kevin Harvick and, and his struggles and his ups and his downs, mm-hmm. but he showed that this sport needs guys like Kevin Harvick, your Denny Hamlins that yes. aren't afraid to step up and say, this needs fixed. This isn't safe. What the hell are we doing? Um, I mean, I think it all started last season at Coda when they're racing in a monsoon. And he's like, what are we doing? We're going to get somebody hurt. And and it continued into this season. Whether NASCAR wants to say that his big penalty wasn't vindictive or anything, we'll never know. I think it was because Kevin was speaking out on facts that needed to be fixed. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, yeah, that's my go to the week, man. Hats off to Kevin Harvick, and uh, yeah, well, uh, hopefully he can uh, have a have a even better season next year. And so, I think he will. Yeah, I think he will too. So that's gonna do it all for this week's episode of Three Wide in the Middle. Now, really quick, we will be back next week on that. We'll be recording on the seventeenth. The show will be going up on the eighteenth, and then after that, 
is Thanksgiving week, and that's when we will start our every other week for the off season. And we'll be doing that all the way into 2023 and speed week. So we got one more week consecutive, and then we go to every other week. So please download, subscribe, share the show, leave us a rating and review on Spotify, Apple iPod, or Apple iPod, Apple Podcasts. I always say Apple iPod. Because I, I, I never know what the hell it is anymore. It used to be Apple iTunes. Now it's Apple Podcasts I, or whatever. There's there's younger generations like, what yeah, is an Apple iPod? I know. Exactly. <laughs> I know. So just leave us a damn review on Apple. There you go. But yeah, get it out there. Keep sharing the show. And yeah, we will be back here to do it all again next week. So Keith, my man, enjoy your weekend. Thanks, you too. Have, uh, we'll, have a good weekend. Stay safe. Yep. Everybody out there, have a good weekend, and we will be back next week to do it all over again. Until then, as always, take care.